Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura Alton Toyota. My name is Tim McKernan. Standing across from me and bouncing despite the loss to Mississippi State is Action Jackson. It's a program that goes for an hour and really, candidly, uh, that stretches us thin. But uh, nonetheless, it's what we do. It's who we are. It's what we've become. And we are celebrating 14 months in existence, which covers the over by about 10 months. Jackson, good morning. Hello again, everybody. We, we're going to act like we didn't just do three hours together. Hey, Tim. Yeah, feeling great, feeling refreshed. How was your weekend? What did you do? <laughs> it, was a, it was a solid weekend. It was a little warmer yesterday. It was great to get some... Oh, did you get some ball striking in? I did. I got a little ball striking in, uh, got some work in, and it felt great just to be outside, get to like take a walk and run outside. And you had a range in your backyard, a practice area. Uh, three holes. Three holes. Nice. Uh, one of them goes to 410 yards, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, really when it's effective. Out. And then uh, manicured bunkers, which is crazy to see this Know, early into the season, but you know, it's good to have. Yeah, and you somehow have Bermuda in that backyard. Very impressive. Got it shipped landscaping in. Yeah. that you guys do there in the central corridor. Uh, we uh, welcome you to get involved on the program today. What tell the listeners what we can expect today here on Munganess driving of balloon party. Well, we'll have Jeremy Rutherford at ten forty five nice. AM. Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic. And then it's kind of a wide berth Monday oh. up until that point. Oh. Uh, you know, you of course have my questions. I, I think it's the uh, Little Piddle's wild weekend warm-up, you know, as the, as the sun comes out and the warm weather starts to creep its way in, but it will come back. Oh, are, you already, are you already kind of spiking the football in the winter? I think that's no, a dangerous no, move. No, because April will come around and we'll get four inches of snow, so it's definitely dang, not doing I mean, that. It's, it's only February 6th. I mean, that's a dangerous move here. Oh, I agree. But, uh, right. but the warm-up, so we have some of those questions. Uh, questions about the NHL and what their future holds, uh, some good sports business topics. Really a wide berth Monday, which I think the listeners are clamoring for. I think the most fascinating topic, uh, outside of what we'll tend to in the first segment, of course, which is uh, the Will Piddles, what is today's called? The weekend wrap-up? A wild weekend warm-up. Is this article in The Athletic, uh, ranking franchise performance in Major League Baseball since the advent of of the wild card era. Mm. We will discuss that coming up. Yeah, I like that. Approximately, I'll tell you 1017. <laughs> tell you 1017. So start to think. You can start to formulate it. If you haven't looked, of course. And what would you guess are the top three teams since 1995 as far as performance goes? And the bottom three or four teams. Just fire your guesses in, and then we'll discuss it. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a real nice talk. We're going to have a real nice talk. Looking forward to it. All right. That's what's coming up. So Jeremy Rutherford, 1045, a real nice talk <laughs> at 1017. Uh, the Lil Piddles Wild Weekend Wrap-Up. Warm-Up. Thank you. Yep. And uh, your Valentine-like texts as we read Valentines here on the Air Comfort Service text line for the next eight days. Three one four three nine 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 six four six, and maybe we can play win a date with Jackson. Ooh, is the most eligible bachelor, and the demographic research I've seen on this show, it's about ninety two percent female. Right, and not only female, but like females under thirty. That's correct. 
which is 84 percent of the female listenership is under 30 yeah. on this on this program only right because i'm like a young billy d williams yeah and i'm a young wilford brimley that's correct and so the ladies in the central corridor go 10 o'clock let's run the bath water and listen <laughs> yep that's what they say nothing is hotter than a a 24-year-old Wolf, young Wolford Brimley. That's what they say. Yeah. That's what they were saying at Wheelhouse this weekend. Yep. All right, Jackson, what do we have? Give me these questions. I'm going to answer them succinctly. All right. Are the declining TV ratings for the NHL alarming enough for the NHL to start somewhat radically changing their product? <sighs> Has this story gotten a lot of attention in St. Louis? I'm Maybe not in St. Louis. I'm aware of the story. I'm I was surprised. I glanced at the wild weekend warm-up. Yeah, that's about all it deserves as a glance. And I was surprised that this got the lead, if you don't mind me being critical of it, because I tend to be critical. I'm, it's, it struck me as a guy who wanted to lead with Missouri-Mississippi State, but felt like that would be too transparent. Also kind of mailed it in. Well, there's no, there's no local sports on besides Missouri and SLU this weekend. And then went with the story from six days ago about the NHL's TV ratings. It's That's what it said. I'm just telling you what my read was. Listen. I'm not putting you on a hand. I'm putting you on a range of hands. Listen. If if I was given the green light to exclusively talk about college basketball, which is absolutely the lead in sports right now. We would be canceled by 1030. So I have to talk about the NHL, which is more relevant to the St. Louis market. And but you had, Blues of course, a play. shot at the NHL. It's a shot or it's just reading facts that the NHL TV ratings are down. What I would tell you is my reaction to the story. I honestly was surprised by it. Uh-huh. That's my reaction. I was surprised by the data. And the data is that the ratings are down. I don't know the exact number, but the, the, the ratings have declined. I think it's in the 20s, like 22%, I want to say. Because I would have thought that the NHL going to ESPN and TNT would have been a positive. Absolutely. And I used to say to people, here's another thing I was wrong about. Uh, and I know this goes against the sports radio playbook, but I'm kind of, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because uh, you never admit you're wrong. You just move the goalposts. But uh, I, people used to say, well, if the NHL were on ESPN, they'd show it more. And I go, that's not the way it is because they're going to show whatever gets gets in the ratings. Well, it turns out that they do show the NHL way more as far as Sports Center highlights than they used to, in my opinion. I don't, mm-hmm. I haven't like tracked it. Uh, so I was wrong on that. Um, but I'm surprised that I'm surprised that the ratings are down. I really am. With, with I, the so young... much so that I'm I'm looking to poke holes into the study. Right. Well, with the young stars that they have in the NHL, you would think, because that's you know often what you attribute a loss of ratings to, is like, well, there's not enough young stars. But there are a ton of young stars in the NHL. Uh, maybe not playing for the most desirable of the markets could be an issue. One of my theories on it is, one of my whole punching on it is, so I'm not tending to your question per se so much as I'm going, I'm trying to explain it, is... Chicago's down, Philadelphia's down, Detroit's down, and those are three of the most prominent, passionate NHL markets in the United States. Right. They're also big markets, Chicago and Philadelphia in particular. Detroit's kind of in St. Louis's class, I think, as far as getting smaller. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by it. I don't. I don't know what. So, what's your question? What my solution is to it? Or, or do you think like change needs to be in order? Or do you think that this is some a problem that will write itself? I just. I'm, I. I feel like it's. 
it's like if you're building out a daily fantasy roster and you're building it based on last week. In other words, it's not a large enough sample size. Sure. But it is, it's eye-opening, is what I would say. I think one of the things, and you're going to see it this week in golf, I think you're going to have a lot of people who normally don't care anything about golf, paying attention to golf, in part because of the waste management. It's in the same location as the Super Bowl in Arizona, and you have 24 of the 25 top players in the world playing it. That's one thing. Most people, unlike myself, who likes golf, still won't really care all that much. But you have the debut of the Netflix series. And the Netflix series essentially is like a Real Housewives of the PGA Tour and I think if you and so it's going to create heroes and villains, right. and then that translates to what you've seen, for example, with Hard Knocks, where this year more people I think were probably playing, paying attention to the Detroit Lions than if they weren't on Hard Knocks. And I think, and you talked about that there was Gary Bettman and the NHL were talking about possibly doing that more with the NHL. Yeah, absolutely, I think that's a great way to build personalities, yeah, humanize and then players. humanize players. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, and I think that the NHL more so than I th- think baseball would be the closest, but certainly the NHL is in desperate need of humanizing players, giving personalities a chance. Uh, um, a, a friend of mine who is a uh, loyal listener of this award-winning presentation says there is a lot of content context missing from the NHL report. They started running games against football, which hurt the numbers a bit. It's more of a usage issue than a hockey issue, apparently. In weekday games, the ratings went up, he says he thinks. All right. So anyway, I, yeah, I, I'm just surprised by it because... I'm not saying hockey's experiencing a surge in popularity. I just don't think it's necessarily experiencing a, a, a steep decline either. So when I read that report, I was I was truly ta- taken aback, honestly. What's question two here on this wild weekend winter? I have to, if I have to guess, I'm not going to get very good reception on this question. Uh, we're going we're to break down the second half of Missouri-Mississippi State. No, that, that one I saved the best for last. Uh, is the new NFL Pro Bowl format a concern, or is this game— A concern? Well, is this game— it just seems to be like more wrapped up in sponsorship more so than it is nat- the nature of competition. Like, do you care that the Pro Bowl is essentially mailed it in? I got a real pro- My concern is that you called it a concern. That's where I'm concerned. I'm I, alarmed. I mean, it's it's the most powerful sports organization, arguably, in Were the world. Were you sleeping one off yesterday when you sent this over? No. I, there's just not a lot. Like like I said, if we want to do college basketball, I could give you six robust questions about it, and it would be outstanding. But I know it's not what necessarily what the audience wants to hear about, because that's the, really the only sports league right now that's playing, unless you want to get into the association, which, again, six robust questions well, I I'm have. just telling you, we're going to have a real nice talk here in about five minutes on baseball. I can't wait. In the heart of baseball heaven. This is baseball heaven, and these are the best fans in baseball. This is this is some world class. This is some world class example <laughs> of. I'm not going to say. It. Uh, so my concern by the Pro Bowl, my answer is no, and I really think I think the fact that I even <laughs> spent two letters on that question was a disservice to the audience. And honestly, if I wasn't thirsty, I'd throw this bottle across the studio right now. I'm I'm pissed off by the question. I'm going to skip question three. Was it a follow-up on the Pro Bowl? What did you think of CeeDee Lamb's touchdown? What did you think of Jalen Ramsey knocking Tyree Kill out of bounds? Fine, I'll ask it. All right. Did you watch either of the All-Star games going on this weekend, or is it completely off your radar? They could have been playing those All-Star games <laughs> in my living room, and I would have asked them to move. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we're on the same. I watched 13 hours of college basketball on Saturday, so I was not concerned. Oh, my God. Yeah. I actually did. T- I watched Indiana and Purdue. That was great. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Kansas, Iowa State. You got a little Tennessee-Auburn, a little St. Mary's-Gonzaga. The worst game of them all was Missouri and Mississippi State. 
Um, all right, so I'll just skip to my next question. It's a little more interesting. Dove Kleinman has reported that Tom Brady will pursue his broadcasting career in 2023 but won't be a part of this year's Super Bowl. How do you think the reactions will go when Brady does start next season, and what approach do you think he takes? Do you take, like, an everyman, kind of be funny, kind of like what Eli Manning does, or do you take the expertise of being a go to the sport, kind of similar, more similar to like what Peyton Manning does? Well, I see. I don't think that he does. Is, is that what? Who, who is Dove Kleiman, by the way? He's a reporter. He's the one who broke that Brady will pursue it, but won't be a part of the but Super Bowl. But who does he write for? That I should have. I knew. I saw it. He's verified, and he got a bunch of play. <sighs> oh, I, I can find it out in two seconds. What do I do about this? He covers the NFL. Where is Rockio? He's the editor of writer of Bro Bible. It got worse. <laughs> <laughs> Balloon party citing Bro Bible. I mean, he's a source. He, I saw people retweeting. So is a guy with a dog avatar on Twitter. He has 121,000 followers. All right. I, I never judge a man by his followers. Well, in that, if it's like 5,000, yeah, I would agree with you, but there's 120,000. How many followers you got, bro? Uh, like 1,200. Do you really? I'm surprised by that. I would have thought you'd have more. Yeah. But you don't, you don't really take it up. The only during Missouri basketball. Or when the Pro Bowl's on. Yeah, of course. That's, that's what I live wire. Yeah. I was really pissed about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I... I just, I just, I, first off, number one, I don't think Peyton Manning, like, goes, I'm one of the goats. I think, if anything, he, he's so, every man is why he's likable. Yeah, he, I, and that was probably not the greatest example, but if you're going between the two of Eli and Peyton, Peyton surely relies a little bit more on what he knows about the sport, because he kind of seems like he has a coach's mind, whereas Eli, I always felt, does the every man comical, like, okay, oh, Eli shucks, does. I won two Right, but that's just his Super personality. I just... I this this is one of the few times I'm like really digging in on something and shorting <laughs> something. I just don't think Tom Brady's going to be good. Yeah, and I think it's going to be awkward because now this is operating on the premise that Greg Olson continues the momentum and, and he will be in the biggest spotlight of his career on Sunday afternoon with Kevin Burkhardt on the call of the Super Bowl. But if he has a good Super Bowl. He now gets demoted yeah, right. for a guy who's never done it. Right. And on top of it, it's not a Peyton Manning. You know, I don't know how Josh Allen's career is going to go. Uh, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' interest in broadcasting is. But you listen, I don't think anybody would argue at this moment that Tom Brady has had a superior football career to both those guys combined Agreed. at this point. Agreed. But I would take Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers as a broadcaster over Tom Brady. 100% Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is really good, yeah. And, it, and then Rodgers just has to be interested for the three and a half hours if right. he like tunes out and starts scrolling through I, you I know, TikTok. A, I can see a Bill Walton kind off. of thing. Yeah. It, could turn, it, it could be entertaining, but it might be a debacle. So right. with that said... I just I think I think Fox is in a real weird spot with this thing, and then the fact that Olson was good, and then yeah. he's going to get demoted, and then Brady might not be, and you don't know what you got, but you got him under contract. I think it's a potential mess. And not I just only don't think he's going to be good. Yeah, and not only is Greg Olson good and done well, but people like him. Like he's getting a lot, getting a lot of good reaction, and I it might be nothing, but you know companies take stock in that you know if someone's good you don't really mess with it and they're gonna have to demote them for something and then it begs the question if any of these great players want to broadcast do you just put them in in the first spot like do you just move everyone else out of the way i was stunned by that deal in the moment i was stunned by that deal i'm just i, I think it's I, I think it would have been aggressive for manning who i think most people thought was going right. to be a great broadcaster right. who has carved his own niche do you say niche or niche i say niche yeah, I think that's actually the right thing. But yeah. I think here we should probably say niche. All right. Well, he carved a good niche, nice, too. Nicely done. All right. I saved the best question for last. Here we go. This is going to be a 30-minute question on the Mississippi State game. 
isn't it all a concern for you that Missouri has looked so poor on the road this season? Do you think this is a Dennis Gates problem or shooting on unfamiliar baskets problem? Oh, nice. Norman Dale at uh, what was the arena you just went to? Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, I feel like even though I'm a Missouri fan, I'm certainly not as passionate about Missouri basketball as you are. And I, if anything, I admire your passion for it. I'm curious if in 20 years you'll still have the same passion. We'll just see. I think part of it will be determined by whether or not you get to see Missouri win a national championship because then inevitably it, you just don't have the same passion once you get a chance to see it. I uh, think that's the case. My life could end right at that moment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So with that said, I just, I kind of expected them to lose to Mississippi State. They were underdogs. They were, what, four-point underdogs, I think? Three and a half, yeah. So I just, it's part of college basketball. I mean, earlier in that day, Purdue lost in Bloomington. KU lost in Ames. A team Virginia. in Missouri. Just, Virginia lost in Blacksburg. Yeah. It's just kind of what happens. Oh, yeah. And so, especially for a team that is, and most teams are, relying on the three, but is, is Missouri's delta is so wide with being so reliant on the three and going to get out-rebounded. I just don't really think anything of it. Now, you lose tomorrow to South Carolina. That's a real Or you play slop. It's just a different deal. So, they don't, as, as Gabe DeArmond said on TMA this morning, they don't really have a bad loss. All That's their true. losses are quad one losses. Yep. They don't have a bad loss. They have some good wins. It just doesn't. But I feel like, I think, Gabe had a great, I had never heard this talk. He goes, now in 2023, Every game for every sport is a football season. And what he means by that is each game, in part because of social media and certainly sports talk radio and podcasts, gets magnified. And therefore, the reaction to games, good or bad, gets magnified. So, like, I, like you were so excited about the Iowa State game. And don't get me wrong, I was excited about it too. But you were so excited. And I'm like, I kind of thought they would win. I mean, they were only a point underdog. Right. It wasn't like they beat... You know, I don't know if there is a great, great, great college basketball team this year. I mean, I realize Purdue's won, and Houston's been up there in Tennessee. Like, if they won in Tennessee, in Tennessee, that's in old, Tennessee, yeah, I mean, that's different a, deal. Because it's a road game. When a team's at home, I kind of expect them to win. Yeah. And unless they're super crappy, I, that's just what I expect. It's so strange. I'd love to get the psychology of the home player, the visiting player, and the referee, but you'll never get that. Uh, so I don't really get weirded out by it. Because they've they've done not only what they're supposed to do, but they've won some games that I don't think many people thought they would. Illinois, Kentucky, and Iowa State. Oh, yeah. Those are huge wins. And, and, and on top of it, they were right there with Arkansas in Fayetteville. It's a really tough place to win. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned by it. Yeah. I look at the resume. I actually think it's better that Kobe Brown didn't play against Alabama because then the committee looks yeah. and say, you don't have Kobe Brown. You're not going to win with Kobe Brown. You're not going to win it without him. But you lose the fashion that they did without him, you can kind of write it off, which is huge. Cause that's yeah, a, but I mean, even you saw that team, that Alabama team lose a week later in Norman, Oklahoma. to show the, weird, yeah. the weirdness of it. So, And my point being, in college basketball, these games are going to happen mm-hmm. unless you are, what's the best college basketball team in the last, since 2000? Duke. Uh, 2001 Duke, the yeah. team that beat Missouri in the second round. And, yeah, and, them. Uh, uh, there's been a couple of Kentucky teams. That have... so, so unless you're one of those teams, I just I just don't, I kind of expect it. And if you get it, you feel like you stole one. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I hear you're so from. I just, I, I, I think I might be in the minority on Missouri fans on that, but that's where I am. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, I said we'd have a good talk at 1018. I lied. It's going to come your way at 1025. JR coming up at uh, 1045. The topic, the athletics, 2023. 
wild card era franchise rankings. In other words, how have Major League Baseball uh, franchises performed since the advent of the wild card, 1995, and ranking them with a point system? Who do you think have been the worst? Who do you think have been the best? That's coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganest, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party, driven by Munganest, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you, Jeremy Rutherford, coming up later on in the program. All right, Jackson. You are disqualified because you heard this on TMA this morning from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 105.7 HD2 uh, and TMASTL.com. And you can always watch us at YouTube.com slash TMASTL. People thought, uh, Mike Ryder, uh, when we posted the, uh, the picture of me and you, we went on a vacation, just the two of us, to Jamaica. One room, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was going to be two twin beds, and then fortunately it wasn't. Right. Uh, Very people thought... I looked like Bob Ramsey, or they thought I was going to look like Bob Ramsey? Yeah. It's interesting. I, re- I read some of those comments. Oh, you- Someone said I had a very punchable face, which was nice. <laughs> nice thing to read on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> there was confusion. People thought we were making the Lisa Ann thing up. That was, was real. She was absolutely there with us. Yep. She's just been a friend of the show for like five years. That's uh, the greatest. Yeah, people t- t- went to our Instagram, the TMA underscore STL Instagram, took a look. Then they started commenting on you and, and your diaper. yellow diaper. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, wonderful things to read. But you're building this thick skin at age 24. By the time you're 46, you're gonna be you're gonna be like Don Corleone. Yeah. They're not gonna be able to get to you. The blonde Don. The blonde Don. You're the blonde Don. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna be. All because of this yellow diaper you wore in the Caribbean Sea in yep. 2023. We'll do a 30 for 30 about it. Yeah. It was February of 2023, and Jackson giving into peer pressure. Jumped into the Caribbean wearing a yellow diaper. And there's no doubt. The same man now who has authorized hits all over North America for being critical of college basketball. Here he is with his short, bald co-host on a (laughs) one-hour midday show after they had done three hours of HD2 radio. Uh, All right. So here is what we got. The Athletics. Ranking of Major League franchises' performances since 1995. Venture guesses, if you would. They give nine points for winning the World Series. They give six points for winning the pennant. They give three points for losing in the LCS, two points for losing in the DS, one point for losing in the wild card. Readers wanted to incentivize division titles and penalize prolonged non-competitiveness and tanking. So teams are now rewarded each time they win their division with a point and docked when they lose at least 90 games in consecutive seasons. So consider the first bad season a grace period. You lose 90-plus games five seasons in a row like the 2001 to 2005 Tigers, and that's minus four points. So with that said, I would imagine, I was surprised Doug didn't, Doug Vaughn on TMA, it took him a few guesses, but then once it clicked, it immediately clicked. The worst franchise in Major League Baseball since 1995. And I would make a case that they've been the worst franchise in the four major North American professional sports leagues since 1995. I don't know who would be... Sacramento. Uh, really Sacramento, but even they had the, those yeah. early 2000s they've teams. They had some years, yeah. And they, they might be second worst, yeah. but this one is clear. And they're a good friend of ours in the National League Central, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Pirates actually have negative <laughs> points. Uh, 29... Baltimore Orioles, 28, Kansas City Royals, and then we see another good friend from the National League Central, the Cincinnati Reds, 27th. Yeah. 
That one surprised me with how low they were. Yeah, I felt like they were in the aughts. They had some years, but I might be completely off on that. They they had opportunities, but they couldn't get out of uh, their way. And I, I'm sure Reds fans feel like they missed some opportunities. Um, and then and at 24, you get past uh, the Reds. You got uh, the Blue Jays at 26. I'm surprised they're that low, honestly. The Rockies, 25, and that's even with a World Series. 24, the Milwaukee Brewers. That one really yeah, surprised for me. Real. And that's, I guess, recency bias in our own heads. But I guess from 95 up until the year they acquired Sabathia, which was 2008, if memory serves, they were just kind of a nothing. Yeah, they were really nothing in the early 2000s. So that must be it. Um, but either way, the Brewers 24. So I will begin building my case here with that. Three of the six worst teams since 1995 are National League Central teams, which will add a lot of, I'm sure, for those listening right now, going, we'll see, that's our whole point. The Cardinals are the byproduct. Their quote-unquote success in the regular season is a byproduct of the way the schedule was. It's not as unbalanced anymore. Uh, was uh, beneficial because they got to play the National League Central teams. Now, surprisingly to me, this one surprised me, the Cubs are 10th. Yeah, that is surprising. That one really surprised me. Right. In 2003, they were Steve Bartman away from going to the World yeah. Series. And then they had uh, the time period when the Cardinals were kind of in between that 2006 and 2009 team. The Cubs were there. Derek Lee. Was there a lot of Derek Lee? D. Lee. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Dempster. Yeah. Um, so they had those years, and then, of course, also the years where the Cardinals were kind of out of it, minus the year they beat the Cardinals in 2015 in the NLDS. That's when you had the Chris Bryant-Rizzo right, right. surge, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. So they have those years. I'm just surprised it amounts to, to 10th. I really am. I guess and, just, and I don't have a, It's just kind of like it's the same thing I say as a Missouri fan with Kansas. I don't really have anything against Kansas. Right. I don't know why people from Missouri brag about going to Kansas. You know, <laughs> it's like if, as a slew guy, if I bragged about going to CBC, all due respect, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, so, you know, but, but like I have nothing against the Cubs. I'm just I, I'm surprised that only nine teams have had a better you know, right. I guess they just haven't since had 1995. Those, those four-year stretches where they're totally down. There's not probably any of those with the Cubs. Like the Pirates have years where it's like just stretches of I five mean, They years. had the tank. I don't know. Yeah. So either way, so we'll do the top 10 here, Jackson. And you've heard, so I won't I won't put you to the test on the guess. And by the way, the Angels at 11th. I would have thought that would have been lower. Yeah, I guess the One World Series in, what was it, 02? Yeah, that's yeah. that certainly bolsters them. And then since they've had Trout, they've never been like the worst team in the league. Phillies nine, Guardians eight. That sounds about right. Because ninety five they lost to the Braves, ninety seven yeah. they lost to the Marlins, yeah. sixteen they lost to the Cubs, they've and, been, and they've been in years. the playoffs, yeah. just haven't gotten that World, the World Series, Series yet. Series in twenty sixteen. Uh, Giants, yeah. it's seven. I would have thought they would have been higher. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Astros six. I would have thought they would have been higher. Yeah, for but th- sure. you talk about recency bias, but still the 04, 04 and then the Cardinals in 05 and the Cardinals, and they were, you know, they were in that World Series against the White Sox. The Dodgers at five. Jeez. Man, that's that's that one another one where you think to be higher. The four, five, and six, if I would have done this just blindly, I read this at like five thirty this morning, so and I never got a chance to, to just do it blindly. 
you could have made a case to me that it would have been Astros, Dodgers, and Red Sox. Yeah. Now, I honestly would have put the Cardinals and Yankees in there. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. I think we have an understanding and appreciation for the consistency that the Cardinals have displayed since 2000. Um, and also the number of LCSs they've been in. Not necessarily World Series. A lot of LCSs. LCS in 2000. LCS in 2002. LCS in 2004. 2005. 2006. 2011. 12. 13. 14. 19. Holy crap. Yeah, it's nuts. That but is nuts. You can only say four World Series. But then at the same time, how many of these teams can say they were in four World Series and won two World Championships? Not many. Cardinals number three. Braves, number two. That one surprised me. That surprised me. It still surprises me, even though, keep in mind, it starts in 95. And I know you weren't born yet. Uh-huh. But you have the Braves winning at 95. They went to the World Series in 96. Probably feel like they left that one out there. Jim Leyritz, Mark Woolers. Uh, and then they were there in 99, a forgotten World Series against the Yankees. And then they still rattled off a bunch of division championships. Right. But didn't do anything with them until, you know they got to that World Series and won it in 2021. And they were right there. And I'm sure many Braves fans are going, how in the world did we lose to the 2019 Cardinals when they lost in five games? And then number one, by a huge margin, the New York Yankees. Yeah, that one doesn't surprise me as much just because they never have a down, like never have a down year. And again, I want to keep hammering home. They haven't won a World Series since 2009, but 96, 98, 99, 2000. We're a half inning away in 2001. Um, so, you know, we're half inning away from another World Series, not a championship, but another pennant in 2004 and a Cardinals-Yankees World Series, which I think would have been better for the Cardinals at the same time. How can getting swept in the World Series be worse? So do you agree with those rankings? And here is here is my thesis, and the, and the time management today is just, it might be historically bad for <laughs> Balloon Party, which is saying something. And the Athletic's going to do a time management series on our worst time management, and I think uh, February 6, 2023 will be number one. Because we have Jeremy Rutherford coming up at 1045. Do you agree with the Cardinals being in the top three? Does it feel like the Cardinals have been one of the three best baseball franchises since 1995? And furthermore, does the fact that when they lay out the math, the Brewers at 24, the Reds at 27, and the Pirates at 30, three of the worst of the last, what are we talking about, nearly 30 years here, yeah. 28 years, are in the Cardinals division. And granted, the Brewers weren't in that division the whole time. And also the Astros were in the Cardinal division, and they're you know sitting there in the top 10. Does that add to the case of, well, the Cardinals, yes, they're always in the playoffs or they're always in the mix of the playoffs, but that's because they're in a division where they get to feast Kind of like, uh, I'll tie it into college basketball to activate you, Gonzaga. Oh, boy, yeah. They eat. They eat. What is that, the WCC? Yeah, it used to it? be the WAC, but now it's the WCC. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, someone will probably text in. But, yeah, January to March, they eat. Yeah. So your answers to those questions, uh, send them in. 314-399-9646. You can read this uh, article at theathletic.com. Speaking of which, you can read Jeremy Rutherford at theathletic.com. He is coming up as well. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome back. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis, Acura, Alton, Toyota. We're just going to change the name to Time Management. <laughs> and lack thereof. <laughs> yep. In parentheses. Rolls off the tongue. I just got done reading this athletic article ranking the franchises in Major League Baseball since 1995. Yankees were ranked one, Braves ranked two, and right there, almost in second place, the Cardinals three. The Cubs were ranked 10th. The Brewers, 24th, the Reds, 27th, and the Pirates, last place in 30th. So a lot of people texting in with regards to the Central and it being, in part, a reason why the Cardinals uh, were uh, as successful as they were in that time period. So what I would say is this. I kind of view it in two different chapters, and they're not they're not perfectly symmetrical, symmetrical much like my skull. Hmm. Their 1996 to 2015, and then 2016 to present day. Now, even though 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and 2022, by definition, were playoff years, they weren't the same caliber of playoff years, I think we can all agree, as 96, in which they beat the Padres, swept them as a matter of fact, and won three against a damn good Atlanta Braves team, 2000 in which they beat a damn good Atlanta Braves team and then had, unfortunately, the Ricky and Keel implosion against the Mets. Uh, 2001, where they lost in the first round to the eventual world champion Diamondbacks. 2002, where they swept the defending world champion Diamondbacks and then lost to the Giants the year of Daryl Kyle's passing. I can, I can rattle this off from memory. Why? Because I'm that talented. But I'm not going to do it because my time management, for as talented as I am, my time management is on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I'm going to have to hit the hole here. The, the 19 years of 1996 to 2015 were world-class. And I would imagine if we had like a baseball historian here, like Rick Hummel, he would say that's one of the best eras of Cardinal baseball. It's a long era, uh, you know, to go 19 years. But it included two world championships. It included four pennants. It included some deep runs in the playoffs. But I think for a lot of Cardinal fans, 2016 to 2022 is where the frustration was born. Yeah, there was frustration in 2012 that they were a win away from going to the World Series, and it was a home game against the Giants and Barry Zito that blew them up. And there was frustration that the Cardinals lost to Clay Buckles and the Red Sox when they were up 2-1, to one, and Johnny Gomes and David Ross were the offensive stars, in addition to the fact that David Ortiz uh, apparently was just going to get pitched to no matter what in 2013. And the managing in 2014 was it's still overwhelming to me when I look back on that giant series. I don't I don't know what in the world was going on for the life of me. I don't know. Michael Waka was nice to see him in the first time in a month, but not necessarily in that spot. And then 2015, you lose to the Cubs. There was frustration there, but I think there was a there was a thought process that those were really good teams, and you are going to lose. I think I think where it's now gone beyond on the field frustration is 2016, 17, 18 were mediocre years 
And it felt like, I think, to fans that the team wasn't necessarily doing everything that they could to capitalize on this era of Wainwright and Molina. And then there was a clear void in 2019, and it was obviously exposed when you went up against good pitching, much less great pitching, which the Nationals had. But keep in mind, it was Annabelle Sanchez, not Max Scherzer uh, or Steven Strasburg or Patrick Corbin who got him in game one. And then the same thing gets him in 2022. So we talk about a lack of starting pitching beyond 2023. Well, what has been done for the offense going into 2023 outside of Wilson Contreras? You're now hoping that either guys get healthy or guys now match up to what their analytics project they're going to be. In other words, I think there is a sense with Cardinal fans more than there was a decade ago that the organization isn't going all out to win a world championship, but is whether happy to just get into what they view as a tournament and then hope that they can go 2006 or 2011 again. Meanwhile, the Blues, and granted, it was just four years ago that they won the Stanley Cup, I think the Blues would actually have a higher approval rating in St. Louis than the Cardinals do. And that strikes me as a little odd, Yes, they won a championship four years ago, and it, I think, had a great emotional pop to it more so than than a, a championship would right now because it was the first one and you had so many storylines going on with that. But I think the reason is, is there is a sense that the Blues go all out to win. And that's even in the midst of a year where I know that the expectations weren't necessarily Stanley Cup this year, but they were coming off playing the Avalanche better than anybody else did in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And there's a sense that they do whatever they got to do to win. And I don't think that the Cardinals necessarily have that. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm also not saying it's wrong. I'm just telling you from hosting as many shows as I do and living here all of my life that that is my read on the public. And I don't necessarily know why that is. One thing I can point out is here we were, Jackson, in July of last year. Uh Uh-huh. And we started talking about the Juan Soto thing. And initially, it was just missing all those morons on the, 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 the one, the, you know, they get to do their one-hour, you know, nitwit show. Right. And they're talking about Juan Soto. And it was so considered preposterous right. that it was laughed off as not true. And then all of a sudden, it became real. And then now people are like, well, and they, well, they shouldn't sign Juan Soto. And what, why are, why are the Blues, who are up against the salary cap, expected to get Matthew Kachuk and then they don't. It's like, what in the hell are the Blues doing? And then the Cardinals, without a salary cap, and with a team that truly could be a player of Soto's caliber away from a world championship, not be held to a similar standard as the franchise that people go, well, I hope Mr. Stillman can get one round of the playoffs just to help his bottom line. And it just seems to me to be inverse of what it should be. The Cardinals should be held to the standard that the Blues are held to. Great for the Cardinals to be in the spot that they're in, that people go, oh, they can't afford Juan Soto. Is that right? I'm not privy to the books. If you have access to their QuickBooks, send me it over. I'd love to see what they're doing. My point being, the Cardinals are held to a standard that is too low. And I think the Blues standard is actually held too high. I'm all for it. I think the Cardinals may have a different situation going on with this Bally's thing that they're not going to talk about. Yeah. But but with regards to what's gone on over the last seven years, which I think colors the local perspective more than the national one, I think there is a perspective that they don't go all in and that the Blues are willing to go all in. Your thoughts are welcome. Uh, text them on in at 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford going to join us. This is Balloon Party driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. Balloon party driven by Munganas, St. Louis Hack. You're here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford with us and Jr. Uh, Jackson doesn't have the class to apologize for his time management today, but what a dumpster fire. He has really, really, really run you into about a, a 30 second segment here today. Yeah. I was too oh, busy giving Kyrie takes. He was. It was all Kyrie all the time. <laughs> hey, I would, I would have not been available anyway. I was in a meeting with Ken Rosenthal and Katie Strang. We're working on that investigative story about your time management. No, <laughs> I knew they were going to do it. Uh, Jackson told me you were, uh, you were telling him. Uh, when you guys got on the phone that you may have heard us discussing this uh, Cardinals and Blues comparison. Do you sense that? I mean, I know it might be difficult to speak from the Cardinal fan perspective, but the standard fans hold the Blues to versus the standard uh, fans hold the Cardinals to? Yeah, yeah. I, I drove from Wentzville to Imperial during that last segment, and I was listening to the show. And I was, <laughs> this guy's getting <laughs> passive-aggressive. <laughs> <I was, laughs> Bring back I, game! <laughs> I was just uh, listening to your conversation, and uh, we've you know talked about that before in the past, but I do agree, and I'll just give two quick examples that kind of tie into what you're saying there. I remember, and you're great with the year, so what was this, a couple years ago during the COVID where uh, the Cardinals made the playoffs and so much stuff happened that year, obviously with other, other teams too, but you know, they got stuck in a Detroit hotel. You're seeing pitchers throw, you know, practice into mattresses yeah. and all that stuff. Jack and so they make, they, they make the playoffs. And I just wrote a tweet. I don't even tweet about the Cardinals that often, but I just said, Hey, congrats. I'm making the playoffs. And it was a firestorm. There was probably a hundred <laughs> replies that said, don't give these guys credit. They're not, all this means is they're not going to spend money in the offseason. And, and I couldn't believe it. Whereas I couldn't tweet that, well, it looks like the Blues will miss the playoffs for the first time in five years. And I'll get replies that say, well, don't worry. There's always next year. They'll be fine. You know, yeah. they just need <laughs> And everything has the hashtag uh, in Army we trust. So, so yeah, I definitely see a disparity in, in how things uh, are handled and how they react. I really would be curious, I don't know, like uh, having you and and maybe Katie at The Athletic and, and like Randy Carricker, people who've kind of been, I'd be curious what our theories are. I, I really do believe part of it is John Mazalek. I think he is, I don't even know, polarizing. I just think the fan base just is turned off by the way he communicates with, yeah. with the fans. I really think that's a part of it. And this is coming from a guy who really likes him and kind of thinks part of it is, I don't even know what the right, and I don't want to say it's an act, but he's just hes just joking around in a way that people don't realize he's joking around. I think that's a part of it. And that Armstrong has this equity, but meanwhile, and I don't know what the perspective of Armstrong is around the NHL, but the perspective of Mazalock and the Cardinals around Major League Baseball beyond St. Louis is this super high approval rating, but locally it's the inverse. And so that's that's another part of the psychology that fascinates me. Yeah, do you need me to send it to BK and Ferrario yet? Or do you want me to answer <laughs> I think I've got another 30 <laughs> seconds. What a, what a oh, dumpster okay. fire. And I could do yeah. another three hours today. <laughs> and I do think, yeah, I do think you're onto something there. Uh, but I'll just say this. I think that fans, Blues fans, view Doug Armstrong as having a go-for-it mentality. Yes. I don't think this is still a honeymoon thing. I think this was before the Stanley Cup, and I think that they sense 
that he's the type of guy that will just go for it all the time. And, oh, oh yeah, by the way, when you sprinkle in, a, uh, you take the knife and jab him in the eye and twist it. I think that's just going to add to that persona. Yeah, I, I really could do a deep dive on this because I'm fascinated by why it is the way it is. I might, I might come out of Twitter retirement and do an approval rating poll. I always like when you come out. You like when I come out of retirement? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do it today. All right. JR, I'm sorry for the time management. That was Jackson and the Kyrie takes. Thank you, Jackson, for apologizing. That was classy. And the Euro take. I just thought you might uh, go into a tangent about Mike Laga hitting the ball out of the stadium uh, here next. So, uh, I, could, I could do that. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's show. JR, always <laughs> appreciate right, the, uh, the, uh, the tolerance for this crap. <laughs> it was an awesome four minutes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JR. Uh, so many double entendres there, but we'll pass on them. BK and Ferrari are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.